Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In other cities, having multiple occupations is usually regarded as a negative. In Los Angeles, you're a waitress till you can make it as an actress. In Denver, you're driving a UPS truck till you can get more people to come to your yoga class. But in New Orleans, it's not like that. We're not surprised to find out that our lawyer is an awesome guitar player in a band, or the guy waiting on us here at Commander's has an organic market garden. In fact, this is such an accepted practice in New Orleans that we even have a term for it, side hustle. Today, my guests on Out to Lunch are three of New Orleans' most colorful and successful side hustlers. If you're a regular listener, you've heard me introduce entrepreneurs by saying we met them through Business Incubator 52 Businesses. 52 Businesses is just one of the enterprises Colin Grusing is involved with. Colin, it's always good to see you. Uh, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks so much. One of the entrepreneurs we met through Colin's 52 Businesses is the creator of Fantastic Casket, a do-it-yourself coffin business, Katrina Breeze. Katrina has a collection of other equally unique businesses that exist at the otherwise unexplored intersection of film, the visual arts, and Mardi Gras. Katrina, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Andrew Larimer is the owner of film production company Fat Happy Media. His company makes TV and web commercials, industrial films, and video productions for a range of clients, including Tulane University and Turo Infirmary. Now, that would be enough to keep most people busy, but not Andrew. He's also the founder of Starboat Interactive, a mobile game development company, and creator of a new movie-making game, Superhero Academy, Andrew, welcome to Out to Lunch. It's a pleasure to be here. Andrew, we met Colin and Katrina before, so I'm going to start with you and you know, do the gentlemanly thing here. And I'm intrigued by the concept for Superhero Academy. Uh, anybody who's got kids who spend endless hours playing games on their iPad will be thinking, wow, just what the world needs, another game. But this game is reportedly designed to answer the question, can an iPad app help kids put down the iPad? Can you explain that? Absolutely. We were really inspired by Sesame Street. The, the Sesame Workshop people, when they started, they said, can we master the addictive qualities of television and do something good with them? So the app, uh, it gives them some instructions. It gives them a story. It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure story, novel, but in an animated format. They make choices, and then for each choice they make, it gives them some activity that has oh. them, like, for example, build a fort 
in their living room. You know, prop the camera up against a wall where it can see your couch, and now you make your fort with your, with your couch cushions, which of course is a highlight of everybody's oh, <laughs> life. Oh, absolutely. You know. I'm still doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. That, let's, we can go make one over here in the corner <laughs> of Commander. Now, is this out yet? It's not out yet. No, we've still got it in development. We've been doing a lot of prototyping with it, which is a lot of, a lot of fun. So at the end, it kind of edits all the media they make together into a superhero movie trailer starring them. About them. This is... And it kind of like, we wanted to really highlight their personality and not seem like other kids. So trying well. to make that happen. Now, Colin, you set up 52 businesses to launch a new startup business a week for a year, which amazingly enough you did. In the course of that year, 52 businesses seems to have turned into something of a business itself. What's the, uh, what's the current status? We know where the bus is, but how about the business itself? <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple things we're doing right now. We are still following through with some of the businesses we started ourselves. We started about a quarter of the businesses. Um, and two of them are, are, are doing pretty well with the uh, shark costumes um, wow. are selling great online and they'll, they, they should are, be are these for... like the uh, ones in Katy Perry's group yeah pretty similar Wow um, yeah so that that should be a big uh, Halloween costume hopefully and then we also started a, an uber company um, which doesn't make a ton of money but it's it's great uh, it's very mission aligned for us we had uh, to, to no, no no no, no. Oh. just like a car we bought a car. Um, oh, okay. For Uber, and we have entrepreneurs can drive it, so they can make some money while um, they're working on their other things. So we make a little bit of money. It's not the money's not fantastic, but um, but it just is so in alignment with our with our mission that, that we really like it. Um, and then we're also we you know we want to keep 52 businesses going. Perhaps not a business every week for the rest of my life, but um, some kind of. Uh, physical space with a permanent accelerator um, is what we're working on. Now, Katrina, Fantastic Casket is not only very hard to say, but it is uh, one of the most unique entrepreneurial ideas we've heard on this show. Um, give us an update on that, and then let's run down the rest of your enterprises, especially iHeart Louisiana and the Bearded Oysters, one of the best names of anything at Mardi Gras. But first, uh, update us on Fantastic Casket, the cheap do-it-yourself alternative coffin business? Sure. Um, we've had a lot of inquiries. Most of them have been about cremation urns. Um, so I found an artist in LA that's doing very unique cremation urns, and so I've been sending him a lot of business. Um, they're using the ashes to create the glazes, and then people can have anything made out of pottery from that. So they can have 500 necklaces made, or they could have um, a sculpture made and glazed with the ashes. What about I Heart Louisiana? What's that about? Um, I Heart Louisiana is working to get more local throws in Mardi Gras. Um, Mardi Gras beads are a huge um, environmental disaster, an enormous economic disaster. Um, they're, they also what present. Are they, are they all pieces of plastic from China? Is that what they are plastic, but in addition to the plastic, they have very high le levels of lead. Um, the legal limit for children's products is 90 parts per million. The beads that were tested had levels as high as 29,000 parts per million. So the weight of those beads isn't necessarily the plastic. It's most likely the lead and what's called e-waste. 
Um, E-waste is one of the largest exports um, from America to China, and what it is is what's left in your electronics that nobody wants anymore. Um, it's very dangerous. It is a hormone disruptor. It causes erectile dysfunction. Oh, Everybody. 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 You paying attention now? Around the table. <laughs> Says yeah. the bearded oyster. There's a... um, so what we're doing is we've partnered with a bunch of local companies. Um, we've been able to help crews um, acquire over two hundred thousand dollars worth of local products, including pralines from Aunt Sally's, um, chiwis from Elmer's Foods. Um, small packs of coffee from PJ's. I'd rather catch that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we're, we've also created a line of locally made, I guess, trinkets and necklaces and jewelry items and magnets that people can purchase. Now, Katrina, you, um, you started a crew. First of all, can you, how do you start one? There was a real void in the market for women in Mardi Gras at that price point. Um, there really wasn't much for women to do if they had less than $2,000 or weren't in high school. So we created this space where women could come out into the streets and, you know, show off, get the attention, participate in the culture, make friends. Um, and then once I had one crew, I decided to do two more. So there were definitely limitations with the bearded oysters, and I wanted to, I guess, um, have like a higher ceiling of what I was capable of doing creatively. So next came? Next came Crew of Colossus, which is all environmentally friendly kinetic sculptures. One of my favorite parts of parades. Thank you. And we have a fleet of 16 animal tricycles. Um, they are all made with recycled materials and garbage that we find in the trash or at Green Project. Um, that's done really well. That business was actually incubated by Colin and his team at 52 Businesses. And that's been really great for me to have one piece of my business, um, I guess, looked at and observed separately and to make decisions about that one piece. And what I realized with that business was I didn't want to do everything with, with the business. I just wanted to do the things that really made me happy because I had other businesses. So I just wanted, you know, like the, the best parts, you know, and I didn't want to sell my art anymore. I mean, a lot of artists, we, we act like we like selling our art, but we really don't. We like the money, <laughs> but we don't like l letting our art leave. Now, Andrew, I can ask you, you've got a, a real day job, which, I'm, first of all, I'm very proud of you, and uh, they, <laughs> uh, in film production, and yep. so some of these are uh, commercials, but some of them you do these kind of industrial uh, films you did, one in the marine area, right? It's nice to make those kind of things, and it's great, and it, I think part of what makes the sort of side hustle thing work is... Um, is having that, you know, some degree of stability and then taking those, like, higher leaps to new ideas. And I think we're kind of seeing that, obviously, in a lot of entrepreneurs like us and other plenty of other folks around town, where after Katrina, you kind of started some stable business and you've kind of grown that now into the point of stability, and now you get to kind of reach higher with really some of these more, you know, bigger growth opportunities, uh, which... To us, the, the Superhero Academy and some of the game stuff represents that, while still taking care of and doing a great job, hopefully, with all of our you know standard, oh, yeah. basic, the, the core rent, business, right? Absolutely. Like Landlords are so into it. <laughs> they, they love it. <laughs> yeah. It's time we do the checklist, and that's the part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. Uh, Colin, have you heard feedback about your management style? Yeah, I have, actually. Um, I think there's a huge room for improvement. It probably is for a lot of people, <laughs> but especially me. Um, 
And the mm -hmm. feedback I got was that uh, I was actually giving people too much freedom, too much leeway. Um, Very interesting. Which I just assumed that's what they'd want, because I think that's what I would want. But you find that people actually do want more structure. Um, found that with em employees and then also with uh, some of the businesses we worked with. You know, you give them a really open-ended thing and say, how do you want to do this? They maybe come back with nothing. But if you make it a little more specific and say, let's, let's focus on this aspect, try it this way, um, at least in the beginning, then they'll come back with something much better. And then, you know, if you want to change it over time, then you give that freedom. But up front, it's got to be way more structured. Did that surprise you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that is, it, it is funny. I think that's the way you manage. You manage the way you would want to be managed, right. but that isn't... Not uh... always, yeah. <laughs> and Katrina, when you were a child, I'm picturing little Katrina here, um, uh, were you in leadership or entrepreneurial ventures? No, not at all. Really? I was um, a very boring child. I was really shy. I scored low. Oh, this is a... Wait, let me get that violin out. Go ahead. There's a... And I had no idea what I wanted to do. And the community I grew up in, women really didn't work. And the it was only... an Amish community in Pennsylvania, <laughs> I believe, is there. And the women that I did see working um, were either teachers or nurses and those things didn't really appeal to me um, when I finished college my best friend who was very motivated threw a yellow pages in front of me and she said every job is in that yellow pages so you just figure it out and I like went through it from like abortionist to zoologist <laughs> <laughs> and it was not in there and and I really didn't discover what I wanted to do until I came to New Orleans and saw the parades and the minute I saw the parades I was like this is me this is where I have to be this is going to be my office <laughs> now Andrew what advice would you give to your younger self yeah I think uh what I would give to my younger self is to make sure that you complete projects. You know, I think that, I think that for those of us who are kind of doing a lot of different things, you know, like in theater, in film, in, in game life, whatever, um, sometimes you kind of get to the point in a project where you feel like, oh, you know what, I've learned everything that I'm going to learn from this project, and so now I... I don't love it, the idea as much anymore as when I first started, and then I've stopped at that point on a few different things. And I, I would tell my younger self now, like, no, finish it anyway, because for a whole bunch of different reasons, there's still more lessons to learn on the distribution side, but also you've got to keep that audience with you. And that was a, some great advice I heard at a film panel about like why, for example, some auteur-type guys like Kevin Smith get to keep making all their projects. It's because they put out so many little things, and nobody would really argue that they're all awesome. But like just by completing it and putting it out there in the world, it kind of gives the world and your audience out there something to look at, something to touch base on, and then they kind of keep, you kind of touch base with them more often. Before I started my first business, I, I'd noticed that my last seven projects I'd been involved with hadn't finished. And they weren't all, it wasn't all my fault, but I just right. finally realized that I tended to be attracted to those kind of things. I said, okay, something has to change, so yeah. I wish I'd had that advice a little earlier, too. Now, let's check our inbox. That's where our producer picks a question that's come in from a listener over the past week. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Uh, Peter, today we have more questions than we've ever had in the history of Out to Lunch. <laughs> not so surprised. I've picked these ones for Colin. This one came in from Ryan Evans on Twitter. He asks you, what is the biggest roadblock for New Orleans startups that other cities have already had access to? Ah. Wow, that's a good question. I mean, the, the common answer is, is definitely funding. Um, but I, I really think it, it, it might 
kind of be what, what Andrew just said is, is really like putting the effort to really finish things and commit. Um, we have a pretty lax atmosphere here and that's how we all like it. Um, but it, you know, for, for someone trying to go out on their own, sometimes it's easier to, you know, answer the, pick up your phone and look at the 10 text messages about fun things to go do and, you know, go out and then maybe you're a little hungover and <laughs> all of a sudden you, you know, you're not, your, your project is, is months behind. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say it's, it's a, it's a matter of, of keeping focused in such a, a place with so many fun things to do. Okay, Katrina, this uh, is for you from Anna Rockhold on Facebook, who asks, how on earth do you survive financially as a fine artist in New Orleans? Can you speak about the choices and opportunities you have taken or not taken, which have led you to being a fine artist rather than a commercial artist? Sure. Um, I think there's a misconception about that artists are broke. And recently I Googled how much do artists make, and the national average of artists who have been doing their work for five to 10 years is actually $59,000 annually. And I believe it was Delaware actually had an average of over $100,000. Um, so I think that putting the business in front of your art is really important. I think ignoring all these statistics and all these naysayers about how artists fail at economics is important. I think that people should find creative mentors that are rich rather than, you know, following Van Gogh, in, you know? Um, I think that being part of the entrepreneurial community has been really powerful for me. Um, the creative community has enabled my art to get better, but the business community has always shown me where the money is. Um, I also attended MBA school at UNO. Um, Hurricane Katrina hit, so I didn't finish, but I did learn some stuff. <laughs> and I think that was really important. Andrew, here's a question for you, and uh, this is an absolute first. This comes from Katrina Breeze. Oh, on wow, Facebook. I know her. <laughs> who who was, could ask you this question because she's sitting right across the table yeah, from you, but she asked, right does every her. business need video production? Everybody definitely does not need, and I don't know why I would say this, professional video production. <laughs> There's a lot that you can do on your own that is like totally adequate to kind of at least get your foot in the door and maybe start learning what kinds of videos your audience, your customers are, are digging and want to see more of. Um, and then once you figure that out, like anything else, then kind of like scale that up and, and run a little bit further with it. Um, or, you know, I mean, the other thing that you, that you can do, and we've done this for a lot of people, is like get some professionally made like bumpers for the beginning and end of your video as a one-time thing, and then produce all of your own content and just use any, you know, movie maker software that comes with your computer to plop those in the middle, put a little underscoring, whatever. And so, um, I guess like anything else, there's a lot of creative ways that you can do it compellingly, um, you know, without without it needing to be a huge a huge deal. <laughs> oh, this is so cool to be able to look the questioner in the eye. This yeah, is no, no, a... yeah. Thanks for the question. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I do have a question for you on those videos. Is uh, uh, why does a a video uh, serve as a better teaching mechanism than than just text? Well, uh, because I think there's a lot of physicality. For example, one, one video that I have watched a bunch of times is how to tie a bow tie, right? Like, how do you describe that textually, right? That's yeah, really hard. Right. But there's a lot of, of 
you know, things that you can see physically. Um, and even if it's not a how-to video, but just an experience of a restaurant, you know, I mean, you can read a restaurant review, of course, and, you know, uh, good reviewers can construct that image mentally. But just seeing a video and seeing right. the clientele, seeing the decor, seeing what the food looks like gives you a much quicker, you know, impression of the overall sensory experience the level of fun versus quiet, the whatever, all of that kind of stuff. So it puts you there in a way that, that text, that it takes a very skilled writer to do textually. That's why I'm, I'm actually photographing this, this, yeah, right, this lunch yeah. here. So they, uh, you might, you've, been, you've been out with a lot of people who do that. They photograph their lunch before they eat it. Oh, sure. It's kind of, do you do that? Uh, you know, I have done that yeah, uh, you know, every now and then. You know, some, <laughs> I, know that, I know that that's a common social media complaint. Like, I don't want to see your sandwich. I don't want to see your lunch. Personally, I love to see people's lunches. I feel, feel like it's, uh, it's like we're sharing the meal. There's a connection to it. So share, I say do share lunches. Right. You state. don't have that messy relationship. Yeah. You just get to see the lunch, which is people great. People have they, great lunches sometimes. <laughs> Why shouldn't they get to share it? Colin Grusing, Katrina Breeze, Andrew Larimer, you are all proof of the remarkable energy of the local entrepreneurial environment. You're all involved in so many intriguing business ventures. You've rejuvenated the concept of the Renaissance person, and you've elevated the New Orleans side hustle to a whole new level. Thanks for taking some time off and uh, joining me today on Out to Lunch. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Colin Grusing from 52 Businesses, Katrina Breeze from iHeart Louisiana, The Bearded Oyster, and her many other enterprises, and Andrew Larimer from Fat Happy Media and Starboat Interactive. You can find out more about Colin, Katrina, and Andrew's businesses and Renaissance side hustles by following the links on our websites, wwno.org and its New Orleans. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Jennifer Smith, now Jennifer Brady, is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and wwno89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thank Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.